time for another catch up between Shelly and I. We haven't gotten a chance to just chit chat for a little bit. And I think that it's interesting how frequently there are developments and updates to some of the guys that you work with personally and some of the people that we've done podcasts with. So give me some of the updates on what's been happening with some of the folks that we've had on the pod. Well, we've had Aaron Jones and Aaron and Elvin Jones on not too long ago. Um, he and Elvin started ANA All the Way Foundation. Um, as many Packer fans know, Aaron Jones recently resigned um, with the Packers. And what I thought was fantastic was the day that he signed, he also announced a minimum of a $50,000 a year um, match to his foundation for life. So, you know, thinking about that, um, that will add up. And what a, what a neat statement for an athlete to sign his, his big contract, his second year or his, his second contract and be able to then really put it right back into some of it into the community. It says a lot about what the Packers have going on up in Green Bay, that Aaron Jones had the opportunity to really test free agency. And certainly there would have been interest from other teams. Now, would he have gotten paid? Maybe what other guys are making who are comparable at the position? Maybe not because of the pandemic and kind of the salary crunch that a lot of teams were dealing with. But he emphasized that part of it was wanting to be in Green Bay and part of it was, you know, the community that has been created there. Um, In what ways has his foundation kind of just taken that idea and just been an exclamation point on it? Well, I think, you know, for him, it has been really important for him to be able to impact both Green Bay, where he played, and El Paso, where he's from. Um, and I think one of the the statements that he he made is, you know, those that are blessed need to bless others. Um, and so they have in both Green Bay and El Paso done turkey drives and food drives and shoe giveaways and bike giveaways. And so, you know, I think even in, in his postseason, he did, um, you know, for every yard that he had in the postseason, he donated a pair of shoes back to those communities. Um, And it's always been really important for his family that it it happens both in Green Bay and in El Paso. Um, And so I think that is, you know, he felt embraced in the, in the Green Bay community. Um, He's given back. Obviously the team has a lot to do with it, but um, from talking with, you know, his mom and dad, both, you know, military uh, retirees, giving back is just something that was ingrained. And, I, and I'll never forget his mom and, and dad shared with us a story that when they were still in grade school, um, they would, you know, be down helping um, serve at different mission spots, um, serving food to the homeless. And, you know, that was one of the first things that Aaron said that like he recalls, like, it was just part of who they were. Aaron is a perfect example, and Alvin, his brother, of the charitable aspect of their lives and the philanthropic attitude being ingrained in them. One of the criticisms I hear, and it's probably the most frequent criticism, Shelley, is that these guys are just doing this stuff for a tax break. You know, oh, how convenient, signs a new deal and has to figure out how to, you know, work some of that new money so he doesn't have to pay all of the taxes. What is your response? Because I know you get it as well, you know, helping these guys in their charitable space. When people say to you, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, yeah, charity. You know, 
from what I've seen, the athletes that we work with, um, and it's kind of a prerequisite for us to work with them is they have to authentically want to give back. And if that's not there, like you can tell, you can tell that it's for a tax break or it's for PR or whatever it may be. Um, but I don't think that people understand that these athletes are human. Um, they, they want to give back and the majority of them give back way more than people ever hear about. Um, and that's intentional. Um, and so I am just a firm believer in that those that we work with that I can honestly say that they're doing it for the right reasons. They're doing it because they recognize the platform that they have to be able to make an impact. And it can be something as a simple post or tweet on social media that's valued at hundreds of thousands of dollars to help raise awareness. Or it can be, you know, doing an event. It can be fundraising. It can be lending their name to a campaign. Like they realize the platform that they have and they want to be able to use it for good. I love that you mentioned the prerequisite for working with you guys. You have built such a strong reputation in this space, in the sports marketing space, that you've got guys and and, and agents coming to you and saying, we want to work with you. What are some of those prerequisites? Because I feel like it can get a little dicey sometimes if a guy doesn't have the most pristine background, because you're taking a flyer by attaching your reputation to theirs. So what are some of the things that you're very insistent upon when you are fielding potential clients? I think, you know, the first one is what we talked about, the authentically wanting to give back. Um, From having conversations with them, you can tell, you know, you can tell what, you know, what they are, who they've been. Um, It's not for me to judge if they have something in in their history that they're not proud of or has been out in, in media. Um, It's not for me to judge, um, to judge them, but it is for, for capture and for our company to make sure that, um, that they've made changes, that they're working on themselves, that they, um, have accepted responsibility for what they've done. Um, if there is something in the past, because it is, I mean, People can, could and should have second chances, but it's a matter of you know us being able to have that conversation um, to ensure that they really are at a good place. There's so many different things that happen. People come from all different walks of life. Um, they have different experiences, and that's part of the uniqueness of what and who they want to give back to. I mean, one of the main reasons that these athletes want to give back is is typically because something has happened to them um, or they have navigated through something or they've experienced something good, bad, ugly, whatever it may be. Um, but now they want to have that impact in that space that they've been touched. It does seem though that charity often gets thrown in there as part of the redemptive process, right? Like when a guy screws up or when a gal screws up, it definitely is like, okay, first thing we're going to do is donate to some charity. (laughs) Like, and again, as people who work in the space, it's always great to see an influx of money and it's always great to see someone attach themselves. Um, You go, you talk about authenticity. Does that give you pause when that is immediately something that someone does during that kind of redemptive phase? Yeah. I mean, I think you have to, 
you have to be cognizant um, of, of what is going on in your life, <laughs> what is going on in their life um, to see that, you know, is it a PR stunt or is it is it really true? So, yes, it does cause pause <laughs> um, to be able to say, like, OK, all of a sudden you're doing this uh, because this happened. Um, well, and so- I think you make a great point when you say all of a sudden, if yeah. there's a history of charity and philanthropic activities, then you go, okay, this is just a continuation, maybe more amplified. If it's the very first time, you're also like, well, first of all, welcome. (laughs) Welcome to the party. (laughs) Happy to have you. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it definitely is. It definitely is one of those spaces where it's like, oh, we're, it's great to have the, um, the benefit and it's great to have the support financially. Um, But like you said, it has to be a part of a bigger process and you have to but see I think I, I think too from your you know from your standpoint from the media standpoint when you're doing a story or you see these stories pop up it's it's that same pause <laughs> um as to okay you know is is this legit we have had a lot of traction on this podcast and, and you and I have talked about it in the past about why that is um and it always comes back to for me that The philanthropic and the charity work and the donating and the investing in foundations always makes athletes seem more human. You used that word a little bit earlier. Um, And relatable. When we have people on our pod that talk about things they've been through, adversity they've faced, or even just situations that they've seen firsthand, and then showing ways that they are trying to find solutions and contribute towards making it better. I I think that's something that we all want to do, you know, and when we've all been touched by certain things, it's great to know that there are other people out there, maybe with more financial wherewithal than we may have who are putting their money where their mouths are. Um, Why do you think so many people have kind of flocked to this podcast and been interested in the charitable things that athletes are doing? I think it's because, you, me, everybody, we can see them playing on the basketball court. We can see them playing on the football field. We can see them playing all of their sports, but it's getting to know that person behind the uniform. It's getting to know, you know, getting a glimpse, a little bit of their personality, um, getting a glimpse as to what they care about and why they care about it. Um, And just kind of getting, you know, getting a little bit of insight because I do think that people forget that they're human. Like they're, they're put onto this huge pedestal because of the game that they play. But in reality, like they're human, they have good days. They have bad days. They struggle with things. Um, They're working their tails off to be able to either get to the next level, stay at that level. Um, So it's not, it's not all easy for them. Um, And I think for them, for a lot of these athletes being able to be in a space to be able to say that um, and then have, have the public be able to hear that, I think is something that's intriguing to people. And I love that some of the conversations we've had have been your traditional, this athlete has started a foundation because they were affected by something similar, um, you know, whether that's heart disease, whether that's suicide. But then we also have athletes who aren't necessarily investing in a foundation, but just by existing and sharing their story are doing good, are making people more comfortable with certain topics. You know, I think of Morgan Urso, who we talked to earlier this yeah. year, who dealt with some bullying and, and in her being kind of this vocal advocate for, you know, it's okay to not be okay. We talked to um, 
Dara Torres, who isn't necessarily doing anything in the charity space, but continues to have conversations about her eating disorder in college. And she's this, you know, incredible representative for women. Um, Brad and Nikki Bozeman, who we had on recently, who talked about bullying and how they're helping to create more safer spaces for kids. And then Chris Dickerson, who we had very recently on, who is just like, and I say this with the most loving um, intentions, is the biggest tree hugger we've ever had (laughs) on the show, right? And he's talking about how he's scolding his baseball teammates when they're using multiple water bottles. And like, so I think we've done a good job of kind of spreading it out. All of the topics haven't been the exact same charities. They haven't even all been charities, so to speak. It's been a lot of different things. And it's so cool to see that so many people are having an impact in so many different spaces. Without a doubt. And I think from like from the athlete side of things, so many times people call, you know, the athletes or the agents are like, we want to start a foundation. And they don't truly understand what all goes into it, what the legal ramifications are, what the financial ramifications are, what you have to do on an annual basis to be able to do that. And so a lot of times we're, we're telling them, like, unless you're willing to invest the time that it takes into a foundation that it might be a better option to lend your name to a cause, to lend your platform to that. So there's so many different ways because I think everyone's like, oh, you have to have a foundation Um, or only athletes with foundations are doing good. And as you pointed out, you don't have to have a foundation in order to do good. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the a lot of the athletes that we work with do have their own foundations, but they also might have what's called a fiscal sponsorship or a donor advised fund that allows them kind of underneath a bigger foundation umbrella to be able to have that and then not have as much of that legal and accounting aspects of it. So for us, it is really determining at what level the athlete can or coach can and will be involved to determine what's the best avenue for them to give back. And I'm sure that changes as well. Different seasons of your life, different seasons of the calendar. You know, sometimes you have more time to dedicate towards those causes and sometimes you have less, but that's why working with you guys is so great because you can pick up the slack a little bit or you can manage you know, expectations for when an athlete can, you know, be in it a hundred percent and be in it 30%, depending on what else is going on in their space. But Jen, think about it. When you were 21, 20, did you know without a, you know, without a doubt as to what was going to be your charitable giving? Well, first of all, my therapist tells me that I shouldn't think about when I was 20 and 21, that that can be a very triggering part of my life. So let's just assume you mean 30. Okay. That seems safer to me. Um, no, I'm obviously kidding. But but you're absolutely right. Like your priorities change. And, and sometimes it takes going through something. I think Solomon Thomas is a great example of somebody whose family went through something so traumatic. And then his reaction was, how can I contribute? How can I make this better for somebody else? And and like you said, so often it is so personal for them, right? It's not like they just spun a wheel of fortune wheel and it landed on a random charity and they were like, cool, sounds good. Sign me up. We'll do that. Like it's very personal for all of these guys. You and I have such big plans. And what I love about the podcast is the traction that it's gaining is helping us kind of get the word out and get even, you know, other and bigger 
athletes, you know, we started out with Russell Wilson and I said to you like, wow, we're really, I, mean, this, I don't know how we're going to top Russell Wilson, but we've done a really good job. Like I said, of spreading it out. But the good news is like now the podcast is starting to speak for itself. Right. And it's not just your Rolodex and my Rolodex. And like, you know, we're starting to get a little bit of a following. And I think people, athletes, organizations are seeing the benefit in getting the word out about what the athletes are doing and who they're benefiting and why they're doing it. And I think that's been really great. Well, think about, you know, from a corporate standpoint and a brand standpoint for these athletes, companies now more and more are looking at that cause marketing as part of their strategy, as part of what it is. And for them to be able to find out and learn a little bit more, I feel like now more than ever, athletes have to be multidimensional. They can't, they can't only be about what sport they play. So being able to show the world a little bit more about them as a human, I think is so essential for athletes as they move. And I think about also from a storytelling standpoint and why a lot of our best stories are successful is again, people getting a glimpse into who these athletes are beyond the sport that they're playing, the things that they've been through, the adversity that they've overcome. But I also think there is power in the athlete being the one doing the storytelling, right? You're seeing things like the Players' Tribune, which has popped up over the last 10 years or so, where athletes, you know, with the help of a ghostwriter, of course, because they're not all that, you know, <laughs> gifted, if we're being That's honest. But are telling their own stories and feeling that freedom of that their story is not going to be edited, you know, for dramatic effect or, yep. you know, or, you know, sometimes you talk about how people take liberties with stories to make them more impactful. I'm certainly not one of those people that does that. I'm, I take, I'm very, um, adamant about, Hey, the story is what the story is. Like we can always add a little bit of violin music or we can add dramatic pauses here and there, but it's not our job to enhance a story because we think it will be more, you know, intriguing to an audience. But I think coming onto a podcast like this, I think the the guys and gals who have done it know, Hey, it's as authentic as it gets. You're going to tell your thing and we're not going to chop it up and, you know, Frankenbite you, which is a term I use. Do you like that? Frankenbite? <laughs> Like when you Frankenstein a sound bite, that's what Frankenbite is. Um, I haven't heard that not, one before. We're, we're not going to Frankenbite people here on this podcast. And I think that people appreciate that level of authenticity and knowing that they're getting their message out there kind of unedited. Absolutely. And I think um, having your experience, Jen, in being able to um, ask the questions in a way that people feel comfortable with being able to share the things that they share. Because I don't think if they were interviewed after a press conference that the, the items that they talk about with us certainly wouldn't be a part of that. Um, and so it's, it's the opportunity. Um, and I give, I give a ton of credit to you that, that the, questions are being asked and the comfort level is there that they can truly talk about things that they might not otherwise. And I'll tell you that one of the things I've learned being an interviewer is when you show your vulnerabilities early on and you show your, you know, warts or scars, you know, people put their defenses down. So it's a technique that I've adopted and, and I don't think it's inauthentic. I mean, you know me um, yeah. as a person beyond being a, you know, a partner on this podcast and, or a media representative, a reporter. But I think that that has been crucial in people being more open and sharing things. I always say this about the interviewing skill, especially with the stories that I do for ESPN. 
we are asking people to go back into spaces and times that the human body ordinarily puts up walls around, right? Like we're asking them to open up doors that have been closed and locked and boarded over, you know, from a reason standpoint. Yeah. From a, from a um, psychological standpoint. And then we go, Hey, will you just sit down with us? We'll put some super hot lights on you and a couple of microphones. And we're going to talk about those things. Like it's not a comfortable experience, but if you can create a rapport and if you can convince them early on that, you know, you're in this together, right? That it's a symbiotic in, uh, experience and it's not the best be, for them. And it's, it's super, it can be super valuable. Right. And again, I always say that they're not my stories to tell. They're always the subject stories to tell. And it, you know, a lot of them do depend wholly on how comfortable they are going back into those spaces that they've boarded up. So I, I, look, it is a bit of an art. It really is. It takes a lot of practice getting to a place. And I have not had a perfect batting average when it comes to it. You know, there are people who have not felt comfortable and and the stories reflect that. So that's something I continue to work on as a journalist and doing this podcast actually helps me because I I get to practice a little bit and see what works and what doesn't uh, when we interview our athletes leads in their charities. Well, you do an amazing job. So thank you. Who, who, or what cause would you like to see on here? Ooh, that's tricky. So there's so many. So I obviously am working hard. I would love to have Anthony Rizzo on the pod. I am a huge Cubs fan. He and his wife, Emily, are so invested in the Anthony Rizzo Foundation. As a lot of people know, Anthony had cancer when he was, um, you know, 18 years old, um, just, you know, starting in the uh, Major League Baseball. Um, And so I would love to have him on. Such a passionate guy. You know, you want to talk about just wholly invested in their charity. That's somebody that I would love to get on. Um, and also, you know, you're seeing a lot more an uprising around women's sports. Um, I think that the NCAA debacle from this past couple of weeks has certainly put another spotlight on it. The challenge is, of course, keeping the spotlight on it. So I would love to get Sarah Fuller on our pod, um, who I did a feature on for College Game Day. And again, I don't necessarily know that Sarah Fuller has a charity, but she has become the face of women existing in a space that has traditionally been held by men and what it is like to have been thrust into that spot. You know, I always go back to the, the line that she said yes, which she didn't have to, right? She could have easily been like, nah, man. That seems like a lot of work. That seems like I'm going to have to monitor my Twitter mentions. You know, that seems like people are going to call me things that would make my grandmother blush. I'm good. And she stepped into that space. So that's somebody that I would love to have on the pod, just again, for what she's representing for women and for girls. Um, And I think just continuing to amplify women. We had Bianca Smith on recently. She was awesome. Um, The Brewers have a, a woman in their organization, Sarah Goodrum. She would be great as well. Again, I don't know what their philanthropic investments are at this stage of their careers, but they're doing good just by existing in these spaces. Without a doubt. I think one, one of my, um, that I would love to have on is Kevin Love. Um, I just think what he has done in the mental health space and what he has done, particularly in the athlete mental health space, um, it has just resonated with so, so many. Um, so he's kind of on my, on my wish list uh, for this pod for sure. Well, we can make it happen. All right. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. 
I, for one, I'm so thankful to have been brought into this project. I'm having a blast doing it. I love connecting with these athletes. Uh, and I know that you are as well, but I think that it's always good to have a goals list. And I think it's good that we're kind of putting it out there into the universe and saying, these are the folks that we would love to have on athletes doing good as we continue to roll. We haven't even been doing this a year. Like sometimes I think about like, you know, how long we've been doing it and it's, it's incredible. There are podcasts that have existed for five years now, you know, and so we're still learning, we're still figuring it out, but I think we get better each and every week. And I think that, you know, the numbers that we're seeing from downloads are showing that. Without a doubt. And I love the laid back that it is, um, that it's just, it's just us. Um, it's, it's who we are and how we would talk to these individuals if we were talking to them, not on a podcast. And I think it's being able to have that, being able to have that open dialogue, that, that just true conversation with them as if they were humans um, and being able to laugh with them and being able to, as you said earlier, be open, be open and honest with them um, and share some of our experiences, our, our um, troubles that we've been through um, has just been really rewarding for, for me. And I think that's been an awesome evolution of media in general. I don't necessarily think it's pandemic related, although I will say that when you're doing a Zoom interview and your child walks in through the side door or is screaming, you know, that they need to go to the bathroom, that does bring a level of humanity that probably doesn't ordinarily exist. But I think you're just seeing that in media. It seemed for a really long time, Shelly, like you had to be so buttoned up and you couldn't make mistakes or people would question your credibility. And there seems to have been a pivot there where there's more of an acceptance for the realness and appreciation (laughs) for it. And I am loving that that is so much more accepted, you know, just, it seems like by the greater population. I mean, I love, I love when, you know, there's the conversations of, you know, trying to put it on mute because one of the guys has one of their kids walking in or has to go and grab somebody off the school bus or, you know, it's, it's real life that, you know, this is, this is what it is. It's, it's good. It's bad. It's ugly sometimes, but it's real. And I finally feel like we're at a place that we can, we can be that way. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Athletes Doing Good, sponsored by Robert Hack Diamonds. Go to CaptureSportsMarketing.com to listen to our other interviews and to hear stories about the person behind the player and the people behind the team who are making an impact on others.